Welcome to Speaking in First Draft, a Girls Right Now bi-weekly interview podcast series featuring the current and next generation of storytellers. In this podcast, our community members share a draft of one of their works in progress or completed pieces and discuss both the writing process and what creative expression looks like to them. Speaking in First Draft is hosted by me, Catherine Destin, the editor-in-residence and Mentee alumnae of Girls Right Now. Girls Right Now is a New York City-based nonprofit with over 25 years of history, breaking down the barriers of gender, race, age, and poverty to mentor and train the next generation of writers and leaders for life. Today, we're talking about a movement that's affecting a huge part of our creative community, the Writers Guild of America strike. You've probably skimmed some news articles or liked Instagram posts from your favorite actors who are on the picket lines. But what is the strike about and what does it mean for the future of writing? Speaking in first draft invited Masharn Clockley and Hannah Rothblatt to tell us more about the strike, its goals, challenges, and what this historic moment could achieve for television writers and the entire labor movement. I'm Hannah Rothblatt. And I'm Michonne Clockley. We are Girls Right Now mentors. I've been a mentor for the past two years. I think, Michonne, you've also been for two years. Uh, this is my first year. First but, year. Yes, but um, I'm going into my second year with my same fabulous mentee. Amazing. And I've actually met her mentee for like a wonderful brunch and that was so fun and she's also she's an aspiring uh tv writer is that correct that's correct she just finished her first pilot oh my goodness okay she's well she's not a little ahead of me but she's <laughs> probably writing a little bit more than i am at the moment um and that's a great place to start we are here today we're both tv writers who've worked in the industry in television um in the comedy and drama space and we want to take some time today to talk about really pivotal moment in the industry, which is the Writers Guild of America strike. Um, My background in television was I was a digital producer for the late night program Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. Uh, It was a variety uh, late night program that went on for about seven years. It actually just ended over the summer um, for host Samantha Bee, and she had had her start from The Daily Show. Um, and Misharn, you also work in TV, but in the drama space. That's right. So I was a writer for Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I my favorite unit. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I uh, wrote for the show for three seasons. I started out as a staff writer and progressed to story editor. Uh, and I am also a playwright. Mm-hmm. And right now, what's going on in the writers union? Uh, is nobody is actually writing. And Michonne, can you tell us a little bit about why that is? Correct. So the Writers Guild of America is currently on strike. You might have read about this in the news or heard about this. And Hannah and I are here today to really talk about uh, what a union is, why the Writers Guild of America is so important, and why this moment in history uh, with this strike is so important, uh, not just for uh, current TV writers, but aspiring TV writers, uh, which we we know uh, some of some of you out there in the girls right now community um, aspire to write in this space. Absolutely, and the writers union strike actually only started about two weeks ago or three weeks by the time this podcast episode comes out. Um, Right. It started on May 2nd. May 2nd. So it's still ongoing as of right now when we're recording this and we have no idea how long it's 
going to last, but um, it is just like such an amazing start as well to the the strike and fighting for the union. So I think a great place to start is what is a union and what why do writer t- TV and film writers even like have a union without us going delving into like the whole <laughs> background of how unions in general started, but just like other Absolutely. industries like teachers or nurses or other um, professions. Yeah. Hollywood writers also have a union. Absolutely. So let's start out with what is a union. So um, when you get a job or when you've got a job and you've got a contract, you're negotiating that contract with uh, your employer who might be a really large company or a conglomerate of companies. So you yourself as an individual ultimately have pretty limited leverage in that negotiation, especially if uh, the organization you're negotiating with is a huge entity. But if you band together with your other uh, employees, Mm -hmm. uh, workers who are also negotiating for a contract uh, that looks the same as yours, well then, then you have real leverage. And that is literally what is going on right now in terms of the Writers Guild of America negotiates uh, with the producers, with the TV producers. That includes networks as well as streaming platforms. And they are part of the AMPTP, uh, which is this organization of all of the producers. I think one other like really great thing about unions in general, but it's very specific to the writers union, is that not only is it about like community and you know banding together but a union really protects some of the rights that you have to health care and other opportunities and absolutely baseline pay uh so and and previous strikes have actually got us a lot of those benefits previous strikes have got us our health care and our pension mm-hmm. and so now we're fighting for fair pay in, in this new moment in history where the, the way TV gets made and the business behind TV has changed and our contract needs to reflect these changes. Absolutely. That is to also say that not all writers are in the union. Correct. And that's a really interesting... Well, well, well <laughs> wait. Uh, need to be specific here. If you've heard Writers Guild of America... And that sounds like all writers everywhere. The Writers Guild of America specifically is for TV, screen, uh, broadcast news, and some digital media writers. Uh, And also, to to just be clear about this, one of the uh, powerful things about this uh, minimum basic agreement contract that we have is that to work for one of these big producers, you must be a part of the guild and you must use our contract. Yes. So you must be protected, therefore, by these, these things that have been negotiated for in the past and that we're negotiating for right now. And when a strike begins the entire union votes on whether or not they would like to go through with a strike. So it's very much of a collaborative process from start to finish. And one of the things I read that was unprecedented for this strike was that it was about a 98% vote yes across the board. You know, this is hundreds, if not thousands, thousands of people across the United States almost unanimously voting, yes, we are looking for better baseline pay, you know, rights, benefits, and we need to do this right now because we need to catch up with some of the things that have been, let's say, 
loopholes or developments in technology and uh, just other parts of the industry that have gone forward. And the union is saying, hey, we actually have thoughts about this too, about how this affects our writers and what it is going to be to be a writer in the future. And that's one of the things I, I think we both feel so passionate about is that it is not only just for this generation of writers or older generations of writers who have been on strikes many times or gone through these negotiations, but everything that the writers union is, is fighting for right now is going to deeply affect how the industry happens in the future for younger writers to even enter the television or film space. Absolutely. Yes. Everything that you just said <laughs> um, is so important. You know, it, it, it was nearly 98% uh, for in the strike authorization vote that voted to strike, uh, which is is really, really shows um, just how much our, our membership uh, is behind this strike. Absolutely. Um, I think you had... Uh, just when like learning about what a union is and like the benefits of the union, you were saying that you had a really interesting story that your the first time you kind of understood what a union was or the benefits of the union was. It was uh, from your yes. grandmother. Yes, yes. So my uh, great grandfather was part of the Printing and Kindred Industries Union, and I remember I was about eleven years old and I was doing homework on a weekend. And my grandmother said to me, why are you working on the weekend? Unions fought for you to have a weekend off and for it to be a five-day work week. And there is really uh, no stronger example for an 11-year-old than, well, you shouldn't be doing work on a weekend to, to highlight the importance of, of the fights that unions before us have fought and won. If you could see my head, I'm shaking my head in agreement so vigorously that it's probably going to fall off. Um, that is such a great point as well that the idea of a five-day work day or a work week that you even have the right to a weekend is an idea, that, a concept that was created by unions. And mm -hmm. that's the reason that all of us in all industries even have a weekend. Um, it's so funny that you brought up your great-grandparent because it does actually spark another story. We're actually recording this at a lovely studio on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And this is where my great-grandparents first came off the boat to Ellis Island. Wow. And they lived in these tenements up here like in the 1900s. And all of them, like as children, worked. <laughs> so even just sitting here right now and hearing your story about having the right to certain conditions of work... This is a fight that's been going on for so, so long. Yes. Um, and, you know, thank God for all of the ancestors that fought incrementally to have, like, these things that are basic, that we consider basic now. Yes. And I think that's also what is so important about understanding what was being asked or just the conditions that we're trying to, you know, figure out in this base contract um and so i think it'd be great to go into it kind of like the top line of what are some like the biggest issues um and i know just the most important one is just what does it mean to have a fair minimum contract like a minimum wage for writers yeah so that uh is one of the things that we're fighting for we um th th there's 
a whole range of different issues that are on the table for TV, film, and late night and comedy writers. Um, and, and first of all, I, I want to say that if we got everything that we're asking for, it would cost the studios less than 2% of the profits they make off our work. So in terms of you know seeking fairness in what this agreement looks like, it would cost them less than 2% of the, the profits they make off our, our ideas, our thoughts, our words, less than 2%. So it um, is such a small percent. I mean, I'm not, you know, a math person. I am not a statistics person. If you, you know, that is such a small percentage. And just going even further into the numbers, the the studios and the networks have already lost way more than than what the union is asking for just to like let that seep in <laughs> yes and and also to put it into context uh the the studios are investing this year nearly 19 billion dollars on the content that we write so so that's what they're spending to make these shows and also th- this is um, up from five billion dollars in 2019 so it really is um, an unprecedented time in, in the, the, these enormous budgets that are, are being spent on these huge projects that we we see um, you know period projects fantasy projects these enormous series are being made um, with these enormous amounts of money and we are asking for less than two percent of the profits that are made. It's such a curious uh, statistic as well because one of the things that we've noticed in the industry is that over time, television shows the number of, of staff writers that you might have on a show yes. has really dwindled, and it's a curious thing because obviously, as we're just seeing, I'm just talking about budgets have not been cut in a lot of areas, but when it comes to providing enough writers to come up with a season or a whole series idea to break story, you can have maybe four people in a room where normally you would have had 12 or 15. And now you're having, instead of 24 episode season, you're having six. Yeah. And and, and just to expand on that a little, you might have, um, if you've read about this, you might have read about the concept of a mini room, uh, which is to zoom out just for a second, when when network TV was the only TV that there was, uh, you know, a, a series would get greenlit, and then a writer's room would be employed, and this all was part of a yearly cycle. Uh, you had pilot season, you had some of those pilots getting bought, you had the writer's room established, you were on TV in the fall. Mm-hmm. With streamers, that uh, yearly cycle doesn't apply. So there's more flexibility in the development of things. So what happened was this kind of loophole developed where uh, shows were not getting greenlit uh, from the very beginning. And the, the kind of language that was then getting used around this development of shows would be like, oh, we're just going to get some writers in a room and just see, you know, what's there. See what happens. See what, see what, yeah. (laughs) So then you're getting two, three, four, five writers um, in a room to then oftentimes do really actually large amounts of work and, and break story for entire seasons. And they will be doing this in a very short amount of time. So you have less writers 
getting employed for less time. And then frequently when the series, if the series did get greenlit, a lot of those writers would then not get brought onto the show. So then they're not benefiting from the the, the pay that you receive when you're on a show. And they're also not getting on-set experience, which is really important to grow and develop and learn really how TV is made. Yeah, because you mentioned, Sharon, like, you are a staff writer, which is, you know, one title of writer. It's basically if you were thinking about, you know, in any career, there's, you know, an entry level, there's a managerial position, there's executive level. Staff writer is one of those more entry level title positions. Yes. And then to have the great fortune of being promoted to a story editor, that comes with having experience that you were able to have on set and in a writer's room and getting the full experience of what it means to make a television show. And if you don't have those experiences, how can you ever move up in your career to be able to take on bigger and better things? Absolutely. And American television has uh, historically always been made with this concept of a writer's room. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we're fighting for in this contract is to preserve that writer's room and to have a minimum number of writers in that room based on the number of episodes that gets greenlit. One thing that uh, is on the table, which I think really directly is a response to this as well, is there's a big you know, issue for late night variety television with this very concept. So one of the things that the studios and the networks are hoping to do for late night television, so that includes shows like Late, you know, late Show with Stephen Colbert, The Daily Show, uh, Seth Meyers, would have been Samantha Bee, is they would like to have writers not be full-time writers they'd like them to work certain days of the week and so basically being a freelance writer which a lot of writers outside of television and and movies are and even there's like a certain aspect of you know working project by project in the entertainment industry that's very very normal but in late night television you're hired to write for a season and you come in every day and you work with your fellow writers to produce either like the daily or the weekly content But having it be that you would just have maybe one or two, three writers come in for the day and then switch out writers every day is just sort of another way to not really have to employ that many people and pay for their benefits. And it's kind of a, it's it's just like a very interesting but also scary time for that genre because having worked in that genre for so long, I think a lot of people are like, what is going to be the future of variety television? Absolutely. And another fact, which I didn't honestly know, having not worked in that space um, until we were in this negotiation, is that for comedy variety shows on streaming platforms, there is no minimum basic agreement. Right. So, right, right. So this... Let that sink in. There's no baseline rules or expectations for how people will get paid. Absolutely. And that absolutely must be changed. Talking a little bit about streaming. So we were, t- we were talking about the other day, uh, growing up with, in our era of television, not to, not to age us, but uh, Mighty Ducks was one of our you know, <laughs> favorite uh, films. But you would have, um, you know, go after school, you'd come home, you'd watch you know, public television or whatever was on cable after school or on the you know, Saturday morning weekends. There was no such thing as you know, turning on you know, your Roku or your Amazon Fire Stick and being able to binge a show whenever. And 
that kind of came about in the last 15 years. And since the last time that there was a major negotiation, a lot has changed in the streaming world. I mean, some of our favorite shows are now on streaming, and that's a wonderful thing. I mean, who does not want to watch Succession back-to-back for hours on end? I think we all do. (laughs) But that being said, the rules around what streaming is have gone for a long time sort of unexamined. Well, and how and how writers get paid uh, from how many times their shows get streamed is another one of the things that we're we're fighting for and is really important. Um, talking about the the olden days <laughs> when uh, when network TV was TV, that was it. Um, so the, the way that writers get paid for that is when an episode that you wrote is on television, uh, you get paid for that. So the first time that it, that, that it gets aired has a specific rate, and then every time that it's aired uh, on that network or in syndication, you get paid. Um, they're things that are called residuals. In the streaming world, you receive one fixed residual, and then that's basically it. And so, that's for so, some of the most watched shows of our generation of like the century, basically. Yes. So your show, your episodes can be viewed millions and millions of times, which leads to another point, <clears throat> which is that we don't know what that data is. There's no transparency around how many times shows are being viewed. And this is a major problem. So we need both the data for how many times these shows are being viewed, and then writers need to be compensated fairly for how many times, how many millions and millions of times their episodes may have been viewed. It's really, really interesting to both feel like there's so much opportunity in television now because of streaming, and that's a wonderful thing. But the discrepancy between what you might be paid or how you might be treated as a writer for a streaming show and how you might be paid or treated as a writer for something like SVU, which comes on a network like NBC, is so different. And really the baseline is just, we just want fairness. We just want it to be fair across the board so that writers who are in comedy or drama are having similar opportunities to make a basic living. Yeah, the career of a writer has really gone from being employed on a network show for many, many weeks of the year, maybe nine, ten months uh, and then, you, you know, if there was a gap between your contracts, you were living on the residuals that you received as your episodes continued to be on TV. Right. So we've gone from that model of living as a writer to trying to put together multiple mini rooms in a year where... Uh, Another point about mini rooms is that writers are also mostly getting paid just the minimum rate. Somehow that became standard for mini rooms. So if you'd worked your way up to be a producer or um, another higher level, you were getting paid the minimum while you were in that room for a very small amount of time. And then you know a lot about being a writer is then working to get the next job. Mm -hmm. So you've got paid for this teeny amount of time on a much lower salary than you would have been paid on a show that was in production. And then you have to like find the next small contract at minimum, most likely closer to minimum or minimum rates of pay. You know, for anyone listening, imagine if you had a job and every, you know, six weeks you had to start looking for your next job. And so you had to spend time really mentally, you know, emotionally 
like logistically in your the job that you have starting looking for another job so you're not even giving your full you know attention and your full everything that you have because you're constantly worrying about where am I going to get my next job to put food on the table to keep my health insurance to make sure that I'm employable in the future I mean all of it just like kind of makes me have anxiety (laughs) thinking about it and that is not how the industry you know was ever should be um and it's right but but that that anxiety is absolutely real and that's why we're fighting for a fair contract to be able to make a living as writers and keep it as a sustainable career both for us and the future generations coming after us let's talk about something scary which is talking about sustainable careers ai has been a very big topic in the media and also of course among everybody involved in the strike Obviously, we know just like as a society that ChatGBT has changed the way we like are processing and making information. Um, it is, you know, going to change certain industries slower, faster. We have no idea, but it is definitely a concern for the entertainment industry for a number of reasons. But I think one of the biggest reasons is that uh, in the negotiations, the union came to the networks and said, hey, can we talk about what AI means for content development? We just want to make sure that our writers are protected, their ideas are protected, and they're compensated fairly. And what was the response uh, to that proposal for AI? They rejected our proposal, and they countered by offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology. (laughs) So great, you know, fun. Like, I mean... It's just great. Let's go all sit around a conference room and just talk about how fun and, you know, interesting AI is with actual, like, no, you know, commitment to do anything about supporting writers. Right. We're looking for regulation in our contract to uh, protect. Also, um, the, the, the fact that is our MBA covered material, the material that's covered by our minimum basic agreement that's already been written, is that being used for AI? You know, we need regulation around this. Um, An an annual meeting is not regulation. An annual meeting where there's no commitment to actually move on any issue. It's just a meeting. You have coffee, you have bagels. A meeting is just a meeting, but without any commitment to actually care about how it's affecting. Exactly. Um, That has, I think, been very distressing for so many you know, people, especially since we don't know yet the capabilities of where AI is going. So not even to be able to talk about it, you know, a seat at the table about actually doing anything to, as you said, even make sure that what AI is, you know, creating, if you put in some sort of input prompt, isn't being taken from writing that's already been created. In that sense, it would be blatant plagiarism. And for writers in any community, anyone listening knows that's just a no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we absolutely need regulation around AI. Very scary. <laughs> um, one of the things that we definitely wanted to talk about was, okay, so we know what's going on with the strike. We know what the union is fighting for. What is happening with actually going out to strike? Because 
there is just so much happening out on the streets. I mean, if anyone's been on social media and seen some of the best picket signs, I mean, leave it to writers to make the funniest, most clever, just like most inventive picket signs. You are a strike captain. Yes. Um, I saw one of the first uh, strike pickets uh, a couple of weeks ago. I saw you out on the street with your uh, megaphone and hat and everything and just leading the charge. What does that job entail and what does the strike actually, the pickets, look like? Absolutely. So uh, to, to start with, the, the job of being a captain is really about making sure that uh, you, so, so you're allocated a, a team of writers uh, and your job is to make sure that they really understand what is going on in the negotiation um, and what is at stake. So kind of what we've talked about, but also um, a lot of other issues, just to be clear, we, we, we've mm-hmm. talked about a few that we think are really important, but there um, is a whole lot of other negotiating points uh, for, for screenwriters and other kinds of writers. Um, so to start with, the, the, the job is a lot of emails and phone calls to make sure that writers really understand um, what, is, what is on the table, what is on the negotiating table, and why a strike is important. Um, so that all comes before the strike authorization vote. We have the vote, and then we've moved into into the strike. Um, so then the the picketing is about uh, making known to the studios our issues and our discontent. Uh, and so you might have seen us, especially if you live in New York City, you might have seen us out on the street with our signs. And my job is really to look after folks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I'm sometimes on the <laughs> on the bullhorn, um, leading chants, um, but to to make sure we're safe. Um, and on that note, I actually really want to encourage anyone in the Girls Right Now community who, um, if you are an aspiring writer, especially if um, you've been listening about what we've been talking about and these issues are important to you, we would absolutely love to see you on a picket line. Definitely. Uh, I always wear my uh, (laughs) WGA captain cap. It very clearly says WGA captain. There's always captains out there uh, on the picket line. And you can come up to one of us and let us know who you are. And we'll uh, sign you in and give you a sign. um, And you can literally join the picket line. Don't feel like you need to be a member of the Writers Guild. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone is welcome. And I feel like especially aspiring writers, um, we would love, we would just love to see you out there. And to find out information about where to picket, uh, the Writers Guild of America has a Twitter and an Instagram, as well as the actual website. Mm -hmm. There's uh, information about upcoming pickets for the next day, as well as uh, into the future. Uh, So you can find all the information there. You can please RSVP online Mm -hmm. so we can keep you up to date um, with information about the picket. And um, we would just love to see you out there. The locations of where you're picketing can change. So sometimes you might be picketing outside of an office building where, you know, some of the bigger companies, the bigger studios are headquartered. But sometimes you'll be picketing outside of a production. um, And in that sense, you're shutting down a production of you know a tv show or a film that's being made and coming out to any of those is just 
you know, a great show of solidarity. Sometimes there's even food, <laughs> drink. Yeah. I mean, businesses have been so supportive. You'll see everyone from writers to aspiring art writers to people honking, you know, outside in solidarity to I, celebrities. Yeah, absolutely. We've also had uh, enormous solidarity from our brother and sister unions out on the picket line. Uh, members of SAG, who are actors, um, have been out on the picket line with us from day one. Members of IATSE, who are, uh, represent the crew, have been out with us. Uh, we've had teachers, we've had Amazon workers, we've had all different kinds of unions um, out there with us, which has been incredibly moving. And we know as a country that striking, when deeply necessary, which this is, and it's always necessary, works. I mean, in the news, if you're following what's happening with some teachers in you know, Cal- Los Angeles, Oakland, California, teachers have been on strike and they've reached a resolution and... Those resolutions are usually so amazing for the people striking and cost very little to the people who are, you know, giving the benefits. So as a country, you know, we're based on the idea of fairness and fair contracts. And so and, and, and we're very much in a moment where the labor movement has, has is incredibly important. The salaries of these CEOs and the, the the massive discrepancy between the bosses and the corporate greed uh, versus the workers mm-hmm. uh, is it, it's vile. And we are in a moment where we can change that. Especially even if you're you know a writer, part of Girls Right Now, a mentee or a mentor, and you're not in television writing. One thing that I think we know about being mentors in this community is how important community is regardless of what corner of it you are. Because as a writer, you know that it's about your passion, it's about, you know, the inspiration, but it's also about being able to live somewhat freely as an artist and have a community of writers that know your struggles and support what you're going through and just want to be able to ensure that there is a support for art being made in the world. Absolutely. And and come on out to a picket line if you see um, a writer that you really admire or an actor that you really admire. You, you know, it's exciting to to meet them. Don't don't feel like uh, mm-hmm. don't feel shy about that. I just I feel like as writers, sometimes we can veer to um, the introvert stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and especially you see a, a loud, noisy picket line. Maybe that's a bit intimidating but uh we actually we had a, an aspiring writer come up uh just the other day and she had uh bought whistles for mm. everyone and it was um such a touching moment that mm-hmm. she had she was living in a neighborhood that we had been frequently picketing and she mm. she'd got us she'd gone and got us all whistles um so don't feel like you need to give us a gift <laughs> bring more whistles please <laughs> But uh, but but don't don't hesitate to to get online and see where we're picketing. Um, send the RSVP and and come on down. Oh, and also importantly, we're not just in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in Chicago and Los Angeles, and I'm sure to be soon all around the country. Um, you, you know, these shows get filmed everywhere. So so uh, please follow us and. And, and, and don't don't hesitate to, to come on down. Definitely. And I think 
you, you mentioned following on social media, WGA East, WGA West. Um, they're really great about updating almost every day what the schedule is, when it changes, meeting points. It's It's been really a lovely experience. And I say lovely with an asterisk because, you know, obviously the situation isn't lovely, but my personal experience with joining the picket line, uh, it was the first week that it started and I came by myself. I was not, you know, really sure what to expect. I think I had like my uh, water bottle filled, my like sunscreen on my nose. And I was like, I don't know, we might be here all day. We might be here for hours. And you just kind of slip in, someone hands you a sign. There's a lot of signs pre-made, so you don't have to actually, you know, come and prepare one or anything like that you sign in someone gave me a cookie and I was just walking online by myself and you know participating in the chants and just being a member and I ended up you know having these really great amazing uh long conversations with the people standing in front and back of me who I had never met before um but they worked in different corners of the industry and people are just wanting to find solidarity throughout this issue and so you know, I wasn't necessarily sure that I felt comfortable striking up a conversation or talking to anyone, but it would have been perfectly fine if I had just, you know, stuck to myself and just engaged with chanting. But it was also such a nice surprise to find that people were really friendly and wanted to know what, you know, kind of art do you make? What do you write? Where do you work? Or, you know, why is this important to you? And then, you know, we talked about, and then I think I even the two, uh, women and I, we were like, let's get coffee sometime. And it was great. And it was, you know, not necessarily like uh, pressure to do any of those things, but it was just such a nice surprise. So I just want to reiterate how amazing the vibes (laughs) have been on these picket lines. And I think like as a strike captain, especially, I think one of the things I noticed that was so important about your job was setting the tone. And that has has been really amazing to witness. I feel like all the strike captains have set the tone, kept the energy up, made, you know, organizational um, choices and just like keeping everyone informed. And that is, you know, these are all volunteer jobs, you guys. (laughs) We're talking about, you know, pay and fair pay. Um, This is just all from the passion of wanting to do better for future generations and ourselves. But to ensure that we're having the conversations now so that future generations don't have to play catch up, basically. Yeah, so so we can preserve the viability of being a writer as a career. Which is so, so important. Um, we all know how difficult it is. We know how difficult it is to sometimes get started in the writing career that you want. And now we're, we are seeing that it's difficult to even keep going once you're in the career at whatever stage you are. And I don't think that's ever a given for any industry, right? Like there's a certain amount of hustle and um, especially now, you know, it's more common for anyone to be switching careers and trying new things and transitioning. But this is, you know, harder than it really has to be. Right. And, and maybe just to, to bring it back to um, one of the important facts of this negotiation, which is what we are asking for is less than 2% of the profits that these studios are making off our work, off our ideas, off our words. At the end of the day, there are so many people and departments that touch a television show, but this is where it starts. And I think that you know, just having the acknowledgement that the writing is so important and it's not 
something that can just be turned over to AI or anything else and be ignored. It's been so inspiring to watch that solidarity of a union coming together. And I think that's also why it's so important to have, you know, a union for specifically entertainment writing. And if you have any questions about the strike, about working in television, which is just so many different experiences and there's so many different entry points and ways that you can contribute to television. And I think with this strike, we're just very optimistic that there will be more opportunity in the future to actually get those jobs and make a living with those jobs. Um, But if you have any other questions, for sure, you can always reach out to either of us, especially Misharan, like if you want to come out to a strike, I know she would love to have you. I would love to have you. Um, Sure. On Twitter, I'm uh, literally just my first name. Um, On Instagram, I'm my first name with an underscore. (laughs) Tiny bit different. (laughs) Someone got my name first. Um, (laughs) But yeah, also like very much follow the uh, official Writers Guild accounts um, for up-to-date daily information on where we are picketing. And you can reach me at my email which is hannahrothblatt at me.com. Happy to answer any kind of questions, even just about working in television pre-strike, what it means to work in comedy versus drama, streaming versus cable. Um, All questions are great. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Hannah Masharan for their very necessary insights. To learn more about the WGA strike and how you can support it, including donating to the strike fund, visit WGA.org. And thank you to our listeners for joining us in this very special episode of Speaking in First Draft. Check back bi-weekly for a new episode and make sure you subscribe to Speaking in First Draft wherever you get your podcasts. Much like the drafts in these episodes, we're just starting out and we'd greatly appreciate any feedback you have. Leave us a review wherever you listen to this episode and tell your friends. This episode is a production of Girls Right Now. It was produced, edited, and fact-checked by Vani Kura. It was recorded by Masharn Clockley and Hannah Rothblatt at P&T Knitwear Podcast Studio in New York's Lower East Side. Speaking in First Draft is hosted by me, Katherine Destin. See you next time, and happy writing.